Hello and welcome to the 360 Lady, the complete, whole and thriving lady. Every two weeks we talk about stories or hard truths in our various pillars of life such as spirituality, relationships, career, finances and many more. My intention on this podcast is to strengthen and empower women to walk in God's ultimate truth of completeness in Him. I am your host, Mabwe Oyetunji. Hello, my 360 ladies. How are you all doing? Happy new month. Well, technically it's been two weeks and I haven't been on since October. So yes, happy November. I say happy now because I'm doing better in my thoughts and even the words I speak since episode 31. So let me encourage you as I encourage myself. If you haven't listened to episode 31 on you are what you think, I suggest you pause, rewind, sip on your tea because I bet you grab a few nuggets from it. So rewind, take it back, listen up and then come back. November, November, a month that's all about the end of fall. The days getting shorter and temperatures falling. Well, at least if you're on this side of the world. And of course, American Thanksgiving, which is next week. I'm sure everyone knows about American Thanksgiving, a time for celebration, good food, giving thanks and good food. Did I say good food twice? (laughs) I would go for a long weekend in the US and back just for Thanksgiving. Now, for a minute, let's hold off on the thought of Thanksgiving. On this episode, we'll be talking about the C word. What is the C word? Christmas, culture, compensation, complacency, or what? The C word is contentment, which in fact is an attribute to staying thankful What is contentment? According to Wiki, Wikipedia, contentment is an emotional state of satisfaction which can be seen as a mental state drawn from being at ease at one situation, body and mind. Colloquially speaking, contentment could be a state of having accepted one situation and is a milder and more tentative form of happiness. A few weeks ago, teaching teens, um, we had asked them, what makes you happy? And some of the answers they gave were interestingly thought-provoking. Now, let me ask you, my ladies, what makes you happy? Food, a good job, spending time with your family, having billions of money, traveling, bagging pretty bags and shoes, nurturing your kids, giving back to the poor. What it, what exactly, you know, does it for you? One of the responses um, from someone was, I'm happy when I can make someone else happy. And I thought, hmm, okay, wow. That is a huge, huge, huge responsibility, being responsible for someone else's happiness. But then I thought, isn't that what marriage is thought to be? You know, to make your husband happy, talking to the wives here, or, you know, if you're listening and you're on the other side of the table, to make your wife happy. That is precisely what we are thought. But You know, it hit me and I was just thinking about it. A happy relationship starts with two happy individuals. And yes, happiness increases when you share it. But your spouse, partner, or even friend, just, you know, because your girlfriend sits on this table too, you know, is not responsible for your happiness. I repeat that again. Your spouse, partner, parents, siblings, child, you know, I'm adding other stuff in, friend or boss is not responsible for your happiness then what or who is, you may ask. Let's take a step back a notch. Happiness is an emotion that is determined by our experience. And sadly, or should I say newsflash, all of these people, your spouse, partner, parents, 
siblings, child, friend, or boss may disappoint you at some point. But one thing that will not be determined by our experience with any of these things or people mentioned is joy. What do I mean by that? Whether or not your friend doesn't call to check up on you when you need her the most, you've got joy. Whether or not your husband um, surprises you with a holiday ticket to Bahamas, you've got joy. Whether or not your child doesn't come first in his class at school, you've got joy. I'm now side-eyeing all the parents out here, you know, with the regular phrase, when I was your age, I used to come first. (laughs) But really, despite the disappointments you might experience, you still have joy. And joy can only be found in God. He's the only one who gives it. No one else. That's why the 51st Psalm that David in the Bible wrote, I believe verse 12, I think he says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. So if you think about it, there's a joy that comes through knowing Christ. So instead of aiming to be happy, we should always seek for joy because the beginning of finding the joy of the Lord is contentment, the C word. Now there are three attributes of contentment I'll be sharing today, but before I do, I want to remind us of one of my favorite and respected character in the Bible. Not Captain America, not Captain Marvel, but Captain Paul. He wasn't just the defender of the universe, but he was the defender of our faith. He was the real definition of a kingdom patriot. So one of the wise things he said was, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned that the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I'm reading this verse for the umpteenth time a couple of days ago, lit up so many words I had never noticed. It almost was like I was reading for the first time. He said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, which leads me to my first attribute of contentment. Contentment is not conditional. Captain Paul was content regardless of his situation. If we imagine Paul today, you know, Whether he had to walk three miles to get to work every morning or drive a Range Rover, he was content. Whether he had never entered an airplane or had a private jet, he was content. And it's funny because I'm sure you're probably thinking, well, duh, if I had a private jet, surely I'll be content. Well, not really. Have you ever met that stinkingly wealthy person who thinks they are not making enough money and are happy about it? Having wealth doesn't automatically make you content. It's a state of mind, I'd say. And you know, as I read the words of Paul, I remember the song I used to sing over seven years ago. The words ask us very difficult questions. When push comes to shove, in the world we live in today, would you be satisfied? Listen to the words and let it sink in. If I never get that house,
nice things bring, but when the lights turn out and it's just me and you, when you ask me to choose, then what do I do?
Inspired by Walls Group. You know, listening to the words specifically to the one that says, if my dreams never come true, will I be satisfied with you? I mean, there's such a power plug verse that says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you. But what if they aren't? The tough question is, will I be satisfied with just him? Being in his will, walking by his side and being called his friend. I could name a thousand and one songs that compare having him to material things, you know, silver and gold, silver and gold, I'd rather have, okay, I'll stop there. But when it comes to the tough call, what do we do? That is in itself the true definition of contentment. The non-conditional choice of having joy regardless of your situation and staying satisfied with Christ. The second one is that contentment is the principle behind the 10th commandment, do not covet. What is coveting? Coveting can be simply explained in Deuteronomy 5.21, which is a desire to possess anything that belongs to another person, not a house, a wife, a husband, a slave, an ox, a donkey, or anything else. Coveting is actually more than a desire. It's a strong desire and it is also the enemy of contentment. Now, God is not saying don't desire, but he's saying don't strongly desire what belongs to someone else. Because what covetousness does is that it makes you resent God because you're thinking God is providing something for him or her, but he's not providing it for me. In a social media world where we can go on Instagram and scroll through other people's lives, it's so easy to get sidetracked with things other people have or have achieved. But the danger to covetousness is that the person or thing becomes an idol for your life, for my life, which is idolatry. And if you continue long enough, you will exchange God for that thing. If you think about the things not to covet, if you're thinking it's 2022 and surely no one uses an ox or a donkey, an ox represented wealth and a donkey was used for transport. So when you see donkey, just insert a Range Rover because that's literally the same thing. For example, if you're not married, you can desire a nice honky man. However, you shouldn't desire Rachel, your best friend's husband. Now, when I mentioned what contentment was a little earlier, the state of being satisfied or the state of being thankful. But here's what's interesting. The word contention has the same word content in it, but it means the state of inward turmoil or unrest. It's a state of competing. And so contentment is satisfaction contention is competition. You're you're struggling with contention. You're having a hard time with. You're unable to stay at rest and stay at peace with. And one of the ways that has directly affected each and every one of us, and I say that again, each and every one of us is social media. Social media causes contention, period. You look at what someone else is doing in their life and you're having to make decisions so fast when you're reading through social media. You scroll up, I like it. You scroll down, I don't like it. I like it, I like it. I don't like it, I like it. You find out that you don't like more than what you actually like. And then you're contentious. You're inherently struggling. Someone has written something that has bothered you. You got all hot and bothered. Ladies, are there times when you've seen a post and it makes you so upset and you almost want to comment? In fact, do you know what? I'll come open. Because I saw a post recently about a narcissist who was taking advantage of women in vulnerable situations. And honestly, I was bewildered, upset. And I had started typing a comment to the author of the post and for the Lord to say, don't hit send. Now, you're into contention. You're striving 
you're struggling. Or another time, when you see someone on there and it looks like they're doing so well, and now you're comparing yourself, which is essentially competing. They don't even know you're competing. That's the funny thing. But you're competing with them and you're racing out to them. Now, let me be vulnerable, yeah? So a couple of weeks ago, I saw a picture on social media and it just bothered me, you know, but it wasn't bad. That's the funny thing. It wasn't a bad picture. It was someone on social media who went on holiday with her husband to Bali and they were hugged up, smiling, cheesing. They looked very happy. Everyone, you know, life is great. That's what the picture called out. I don't even remember what the caption was, to be honest with you. It was probably one of those one-liners that was just punchy. They were just so happy and, you know, they were just smiling ear to ear. And I saw this picture and I'm like, why, why does this bother me? I asked myself that question and a voice said, it's time to identify covetousness in your life. Now I say this because I want to be an open book to the Lord. I don't have it all together. The truth is I don't want to be 40 years old and I have it all together. I don't want to be 50 years old and I have it together. I don't want to be 60 years old and I have it together. And then when I'm 70 years old, I can't learn anymore. So I always want to be an open book. Now, The voice said, I want you to identify covetousness right now. And I thought, "Mm, I'm not coveting what they have. I've got a good life, you know. Thank God. Fairly traveled. Okay, maybe not to Bali. (laughs) But voice said, what about the picture bothered you? It was so back and forth, you know, me talking, me listening. And I'm answering in my head, well, they were happy. Why does that bother me, right? Because... There was an element on the inside of me that I didn't identify until that picture showed up. That I was coveting what they had. They looked so happy in Bali. And here I am on the couch in the cold, in the dark, just looking and feeling sad. As I scroll through the phone and yes, all of you, each and every one of you do it. So don't laugh at me like I'm the only one who does. You're scrolling through social media, looking all sad and thinking, look how happy Tenny is. Then the thought pops in, I wish I had what Tenny has. And that's the sin of coveting. The funny thing is, is it doesn't have to be said. It's just thoughts. And then that causes contention and inward struggle. And when you're not content, you're in a state of contention. You're discontent. So you're always competing and comparing. And the enemy of contentment is covetousness. Warranting strongly desiring what someone else has. You often see covetousness on people's social media posts. Funny thing is, there's a lot of good on social media. You know, it connects us with people around the world, but it sometimes causes a wrestle with contentment. And in a world where we're constantly bombarded with the false preview of everyone's lives, we need to have moments of self-awareness because there's a fine line between being able to admire something someone has and wanting what they have for yourself. The last one is that contentment is not complacency. I'm sure we've all heard the struggle and advice against not confusing contentment with complacency. If you know me, you know very well that I'm extremely big on understanding personality and temperaments, factors that influence our characters and culture in general. So over the years, I had figured out my temperament and I'm a mix of two from the main four, but I won't tell you just, just to be cryptic. I won't tell you. I'll only tell you what one is just because I can. Now, one of my mix is choleric. For those who don't know much about temperaments, there are four of them. There's sanguine, there's choleric, there's phlegmatic, and there's melancholy. And I'm sure you can do a test anywhere online to find yours. If you want to go more in depth, you can take the Myers-Briggs style assessment, you know, just check online. You just Google it. 
Now back to the choleric temperament. Cholerics are extroverted, they're quick thinking, they're active, practical and strong-willed. They are driven by a primary need to get results and are self-confident. They are self-sufficient and independent-minded. They are decisive and opinionated and find it very easy to make decisions for themselves as well as others. Now, quick disclaimer for those who are thinking they know me well. Remember I said I'm a mix of two temperaments, so I don't soak up as a full choleric. Now, last year, when I was doing a strength assessment, knowing what my temperaments were and where I had to be extra cautious in relating with people, because I know that, I asked a coach a very big question. And the question was, what do you think choleric struggle with the most? She paused for a bit and answered, the need to win and get results, she said. After she said that, I started thinking back to my feelings and my emotions when I didn't win or, you know, get my desired results. And I thought, hmm. Now I look back and I can add that another interlinked struggle that cholerics my face is internal discontentment. Yes, I said it, internal discontentment. Cholerics in particular have a fear of complacency. It is absolutely healthy to want to be better and not to accept mediocrity, but so many people, lots and lots and lots of people let that desire to steal their joy and take them away from the present moment. If you think about it, yeah, it's like someone on an exercise balance board, right? You have one foot on either side of the board. One side is discontentment and the other side is complacency. If you've ever been on one of those boards, then you know how hard it is to gain balance and you're constantly swinging back and forth. Now, the million dollar question is, how do we stay balanced? I have fought for years to find a balance of contentment in a life of moderation, but the desire for more and society's message of not enough was still there. So a couple of years ago, I started to work to find a balance in being a good person, in quote. (laughs) But then when I found my value and self-worth in being a good person, in quote, I still never felt good enough. Why? Because sometimes we have some pretty bad days. And even on our best days, we can still be better, in quote. So our value doesn't come from our character, if you think about it. Now, if we don't remember anything this November, did I just rhyme there? Okay. If we don't remember anything this November, remember Captain Paul tells us that the secret to that balance, regardless of our circumstance in Philippians 4, 12 to 13, which says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. For years and years and years, and I'm sure you all know that verse, or most of you know that verse, for years and years, I always interpreted the very last statement of, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, to actually mean I can fulfill any desire that I set my mind to or like a personal motivation to get me through something tough because I have strength through him. But quite recently, I understood this verse more deeply because at this point, Captain Paul was actually in prison when he was writing this, you know, probably in a dark and dingy cell where he would have been starving with little to drink. And Paul wasn't given motivation to conquer, but rather an encouragement in almost certain defeat, where he explained that it's in our own weakness when God's power is strongest. From this, 
we know that the way to contentment is through Jesus. We need to constantly surround ourselves with him and be more intentional in this than ever because we are fighting cultural images all around us, telling us we're not good enough and we don't have enough. We aren't thin enough. We don't drive a good enough car. We don't live in a big enough house. We haven't achieved enough. That's the message we are told every single day. And yes, our world is right. If we measure ourselves by that and look for contentment in those areas, then it will never, ever be enough. We will never get enough of what we don't need because what we don't need won't ever satisfy us. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a very content person, right? And this verse challenges me in that. Paul was content in a dark and damp prison cell with little food to eat. And I I can't even start to imagine the things in that prison from like cockroaches to spiders and ants and ew. But, you know, why was Paul content? Because he had what mattered the most. He had Jesus. Philippians 4.13 is a challenge for us, not just for you, but myself as well, to put things in proper perspective. We think we might need all those other things to be happy and content, but Paul challenges us to view happiness through a different lens. All we really need is Jesus. I ask again, will you be satisfied? And that's it, my 360 ladies. Today's quote is one from an American doctor who advocates for alternative medicine, Andrew Will, which says, I think instead of happiness, we should be working for contentment and inner sense of fulfillment that's relatively independent of external circumstances. So are you joyful and are you content, my 360 ladies? Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening, my ladies. Have a lovely time till we meet again. Thanks for joining us this week on The 360 Lady. I trust you have taken some golden nuggets to live in a complete life in Christ. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to The 360 Lady on this platform to stay in touch and never miss a show. If you like the show, kindly leave a rating on the platform so we can keep bringing a mix of magnificent and inspiring episodes. Thanks for listening, my ladies, and see you in two weeks.